We don't win down here. We lose. You ready for that? Oh, you, th- oh, you were a post-millennialist. You thought we we're just going to go waltzing into the kingdom as you took over the world. Welcome to Nobody with a Bible. Chief Nobody Brandon. And here we talk about all the things and use biblical discernment while doing so. So let's dig in. Not using your feelings, but God's truth. What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. My own personal study, I have been going through the book of Ephesians, and uh, every time I, I go back through this book, or this letter rather, I absolutely fall in love with it again and again, and uh, it becomes one of my favorite letters of Paul. And uh, today, a couple things really stuck out to me in uh, chapter 5 and towards about the middle part of chapter 4. So we're going we're gonna to look at those here in a little bit. But uh, Ephesians is a fascinating letter because unlike a lot of Paul's other letters, um, he's actually giving a lot of just meaty theology here. He's not correcting somebody. We're not learning from somebody else's mistakes. He's not, you know, he's he's speaking directly here to a very spiritually mature church. Of course, they had problems. They had plenty of them. But uh, the church there in Ephesus, it definitely was very, very spiritually strong. And as we can see that throughout the whole letter and then, uh, we know that from Acts as well and uh, Paul's other writings. But um, he was able to give them just real direct teachings. And I think that there is so much here that is just so direct for the church and for every one of our lives today. So we're going to go ahead, as I said, and just start kind of in the middle here of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 17 here. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation just because I love the way that um, it's so direct without sacrificing the original text. It's not adding anything to it. I think that's what's so interesting to me about the New Living Translation. Um, I know versions is a, a... very hotly debated topic and i'm not going to waste my time with it on this channel Um, if people want to just come in here and just talk about about versions and stuff like this it's you know i'm not going to pay any attention to it Uh, we've been down that road far too many times and it's there's it's not it's not edifying to the church and uh it, it does us no good so it'll be out of the nlt and we're starting in verse 17 here With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their mind and hardened their hearts against him. You know, right there in just those few verses right there, we see that the world has their minds closed and their their hearts hardened against him naturally and they do this willingly 
so often one of the arguments against God is it isn't fair. Well, what do you mean? They have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. What he says right here in verse 20 is powerful, but that isn't the way you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Paul, it's a clear instruction right there. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life outside of your life in Christ. You take that off and throw that away. It is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Verse 25 here, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Remember, it doesn't say don't be angry, period. It says don't let your anger control you. There is a form of righteous anger. But anger in itself gives foothold to the devil. And it, what that means is that allows him to come into your life and destroy it. A very simple Christian instruction of what do I do now? All of a sudden I'm a Christian and you know what? You know, is there a certain specific set of rules I'm supposed to follow? No, look at verse 28 here. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. It's very direct and simple. If you're sinning and you're a sinner, stop sinning. Turn from it. Repent. Change your mind about sin and about God and come to him. It's as simple as that. Don't look back on all of these things. Sure, we have to live at the con with the consequences of our past sins, but... We have taken all that off and we live in a new way. We are a new pre person created anew. You don't have to live that life and you don't have to stay in that bondage of your former sin. And then in verse 29, he's very, very clear. And if you hear anything out of this, I mean, this is very important. It's very direct and straightforward. And there's really, there's no way around this. So for a believer, you have to let this soak in. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Verse 30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. 
There's no question about it. There's no loss of salvation. Paul's explaining you need to turn from this. But it, your holy, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that you will be saved. But he instructs, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, this is, I mean, this is a, this is a firm, once saved, always saved passage. Again, if you want to argue once saved, always saved, then I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with you because that is an absolute biblical truth and anything outside of that is a heresy. Saying that you can lose your salvation is a heresy. And that's not a secondary issue. But we absolutely can bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way we live. In the best case scenario, in the worst case scenario, you're not a true believer at all. But these are what we have got to remember. Take this old way of life out and live this new way. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. It's a tough one. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words and slander. You know, that's so specific. Harsh words, what a Christian shouldn't use harsh slang like we have in our world today we shouldn't talk the way that we do our speech should be different from the rest of the world it's not the same you know this isn't about legalism you should be able to figure these things out yourself but this is what the spirit working in you should do these things should repulse you you should not want to talk this way anymore Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. So he says, take out that stuff. Now do these things. Instead, in verse 32, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you this brings us to chapter five which is the the, the chapter that really hit me today Starting in verse 1 here, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his children in everything that you do. Not every once in a while, not sometimes, not just on Sunday, in everything that you do. Imitate God in everything that you do. That means from the moment that you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. That means fighting with your children, your husband, your brother, your sister, your mom, 
imitate God in everything that you do because you are his dear children. Verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, these are the things that destroyed Sodom in Genesis. And on account of these things, the anger of God and the wrath of God is coming. Sexual immorality is serious. It's not, it's not just heterosexual, or it's not just homosexual. It's all sexual immorality. And nobody sees the reality side of the result of sexual immorality. You just pursue your passion in the flesh not thinking about the trail of destruction that is left behind. And this stuff is so ingrained in our culture today, we don't even understand. We don't think twice about sexual situations, selling a movie or music. We look right past it. But the Bible says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Look at verse 4 here. This is interesting because he says something that I think... Um, you know, this is one thing that Christians think that they can get away with. Something that, you know, if we do this in the privacy of our own home, you know, if it's just in between us and, you know, oh, we don't want the world to hear. No. Verse 4 says, obscene stories. Remember, this is, let there be no. Obscene stories. Foolish talk. And coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Foolish talk and coarse jokes. I mean, that says a lot about our culture right now. Today, it's everywhere. Continuing in verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral now listen you can be sure there's no question here that no immoral impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world 
wow, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. And Paul goes further and says, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now, this isn't my opinion coming up here. This is the Bible. This is where I'm just a guy with a Bible here. Because look what Paul writes in verse 6. He didn't confirm what I said. This is what Scripture says. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these, th these sins. Paul lists them out. Clearly, there's no, there's no question. Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. He's only naming a few. But don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Don't participate in the things these people do in verse 7. In verse 8, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Here is the one. This is the verse that really hit me out of all verses today. And the reason why it hit me so hard is because so often in, in talking with, I talk to many Christians and some professing Christians throughout my day. And um, one of the arguments that you, you get is, you know, well, it's my relationship to the Lord. And, you know, if I want to use this music or listen to this false teacher, um, you know, I know it's wrong, but I understand what's right. You know, I, I can use it for for me. And I, I just worship the Lord in my way. And, and I, you know, I just do things my way. And, you know, in verse 10 here, this is really what kind of hit me. And it hit me too first, like with, wow, we have to really stop and think about these things because are we truly thinking about what the Lord wants? Are we truly thinking about ourselves? It says right here, it says in verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Think about it. Like, you know, and I, it hit me and I was like, man, no, see, it's not it, it, It's not that we just get a choice to do this in the way that we want and just right off of the hook, just everything that we do is correct. No, we have got to, we have got to step back, use some of our brains, and carefully determine what pleases the Lord. 
He follows it up in verse 11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. In verse 13, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It continues in verse 15, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. In these evil days, make every opportunity matter. Like every everything that you do matters. Make the most out of every opportunity in these evil days. But be careful how you live and don't act like fools. I mean, Paul, like, don't act like idiots. They may be, oh, Paul, that's not nice. You shouldn't be so harsh. And you say, we don't have time to waste. Don't act thoughtlessly. In verse 17, more people need to write that down. Don't act thoughtlessly. I need to write that down. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine in verse 18 because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus. In verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, for a husband, in verse 23, is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect.
her husband. And that is the end of chapter 5. And that chapter, as I said, hit me like a freight train, head on. And it couldn't be more direct. And it couldn't be more valuable for us. So I encourage everybody in their own time. Read through Ephesians chapter 5. Read the whole thing, but specifically go over 5. And think about these things. Meditate on these things. And adjust your life accordingly. Because it's so easy for us today to become stained along with the world and start looking just like it. Okay, we are to be set apart, holy, without blemish. This is serious. This has, you know, the Lord gave us grace and mercy and, and so much to look forward to in these blessings. And all that he asks is that we turn, come to him, and live our lives fully for him. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. On the day of judgment, do not, do not fear for the atheist so much, the thief, the murderer. If you want to be afraid for someone on the day of judgment, be afraid for those who carried the title pastor. Let me give you an example. I gave this example last night. Let's say that a king had a bride. He loved her. He dressed her in white. She was pure and precious to him. And the people admired her for her, for her virtue, for her merit. And the king has to go on a long journey. And so he, he uh, tells his steward, he calls his steward in and he says, here are the directions and you are to care for my bride. You do not deviate from this, not, not one jot or tittle. And when I come back, you'll be rewarded or I'll come back and you will be severely punished. Keep this book, these instructions with regard to her. Well, after a few years, this steward realizes that the people are losing their loyalty in the king. And they're no longer concerned about the bride because, well, she's just prudish. She's old fashioned. So he takes her and dresses, takes off her beautiful white garment and replaces it with something really sensual, paints her face like a prostitute and then marches her up and down the kingdom and uses this new look to attract carnal men back into the kingdom. When that king comes back, there, there are no words to describe what he will do to that steward. And when Jesus Christ comes back, there are no words to describe what he will do to many of these men who call themselves pastors who have done to his bride exactly what the steward did in that parable.